welcome everyone to a virtual Ignatian conversation that we're having here at Loyola High School. Bob Steffen from the Office of Office for Mission, and I'm here with uh, Christian Estran from the Campus Ministry and Theology Departments. We have been doing a series of Ignatian conversations at Loyola High School in person, and now as everything has moved online, we thought we might take a few topics and flesh them out a little bit. Things related to Ignatian spirituality that might be helpful to discernment in our lives and our ongoing realities, especially in these uncertain and troubled times. So Christian was proposed this idea of uh, talking about daydreaming and discernment. Daydreaming, a really central uh, part of Ignatius's initial move into the process of discernment and something practical that we, we do all the time. I, I love it as a concept to help enter into this deeper reality of a spiritual discernment. Often, we tend to think, or there can be the misconception that, wow, like a spiritual discernment, listening to God is, is way out there. It's far removed from my daily reality, when in fact, often, it can be, as it was in the life of Ignatius, something that begins in something as simple as our daydreams. So that, that's a little bit of my interest in this topic. I was excited when Christian mentioned it. I'll let him say a little bit more about, about his thoughts. Yeah. So, uh, Bob, when I thought about proposing this topic, I really was thinking about the UAPs, Universal Apostolic Preferences, and coming back to the idea of everything being rooted in the spiritual exercises. And one of the, the things that I've been really reflecting on is Ignatian pedagogy as an educator. And out of that reflection I came the idea of me thinking about what's the pedagogy of the spiritual exercises themselves. And the answer that I kept coming back to was that ultimately it's a process of intentional daydreaming. That's what I, that's what I saw as one of those core kind of fundamental pedagogical methods that Ignatius uh, implemented in the exercises. And so that's kind of the root of the topic for me is thinking about what does it mean to dream? Um, and what does it mean to almost dream intentionally in a way that I think lets us be honest with ourselves about where we're at and where we want to be going in our own futures? It's great. I, I love that uh, concept. And I think so much about this entry point, our dreams, such an important part of how we can imagine the future. Just to give a little context for those who aren't as familiar with the life of Ignatius or how this, why the concept of daydreaming might fit in to a, a conversation on Ignatian spirituality. St. Ignatius was a, was a soldier, was involved in, in a battle in Pamplona, where he was severely injured, both legs being shattered and carried back to the uh, tower where his family lived and where he'd grown up. There, while recovering, he daydreamed. He didn't have much else to do. He had a lot of time on his hands, and he began naturally to, to daydream about his future. In that context, he, he asked for things to read, and for him, unfortunately, or fortunately for us, there was only two books that they had. One was A Life of Christ, and the other was A Lives of the Saints. And so in reading those books, Ignatius began to daydream in ways that he hadn't before, primarily imagining his life in the model of the life of Christ and also comparing himself to the lives of the saints. So he had this experience where, on one hand, he had these daydreams, these daydreams of him 
doing things like the saints did. And then on the other hand, he had his normal daydreams, his daydreams of being a famous knight and winning the hand of the lady and, and being celebrated at court and all those realities. In both daydreams, he felt a lot of excitement and was really relished that experience of just daydreaming, as we will. But over time, he noticed that while both were really uh, enlivening and exciting while he was dreaming about them, after he was done dreaming about being a knight and being at court, the feelings kind of dissipated. Whereas after dreaming about following uh, the model of St. Francis or St. Dominic, there was a lasting and deeper sense of, sense of satisfaction that continued. And so he noticed that, that although both were very nice daydreams, one led to a path of a feeling of fulfillment, of a deeper draw. And that's what led him to start to make some decisions about where his life should go. Significant, and this is very characteristic of Ignatius throughout, who was able to pay attention to these small details, details that we might otherwise miss about not just how I feel in the moment, but how I feel after something happens. And that type of attention to our, what he would call interior movements, is part of the great wisdom and legacy that he passes on to us. So that's just a little bit of a framework um, background. Some of you very familiar with those stories. Others, it'll be an introduction to, but just to give everyone who might be listening a sense of that, uh, I wanted to give that background. I'll turn it back now over to, to Christian to give a little bit either off of those stories or just the other direction that he might want to take us with today's topic. Yeah, I, I think, thanks Bob for that. I think that's a great intro. Um, and it goes into thinking about, I really wanted to get into Ignatius himself and his life as part of this. And part of what Ignatius saw and the language that I found, um, while also looking at some other con contemporary Ignatian authors um, on this topic, I think I mentioned earlier before we started recording, uh, Vanita uh, Hampton Wright, she really talks about the idea that dreams are an expression of our best self. And I think what Ignatius found in his daydream is that he found the best version of himself come out and that he was naturally drawn to that inclination because we want to fulfill, you know, what our God-given talents bring out in us. Um, and I think dreams offer us the capacity to imagine what that might look like. Uh, and I think it's, it's natural for us to get excited by really outlandish and wildish ideas and for Ignatius certainly being the knight in shining armor was the was the crazy fantasy uh, but at the end of the day that wasn't his best self uh, his best self was instead you know being a, a guy who sat in a cubicle in Rome for a couple of decades and wrote letters and and while that's certainly not as uh, glamorous as the other way it's for that portion of his life that all of us are so impacted for 500 years later. And I think that it, that it just takes the humbleness to say, maybe my best self isn't something that I would have imagined on my own. And it's about letting the spirit draw us out into a different kind of conversion and thought mm -hmm. through, through our dreams. Absolutely. I love what you just said there about how the spirit can draw us out, right? And how often in Ignatian spirituality, 
will we'll use language of how are we being drawn? How are we being kind of invited into something? Because that's often the experience of God and the Holy Spirit, right? That it's not, yes, uh, there are moments where it's just uh, immediately clear, where there's kind of a light from the sky and we know the direction and we're set on it. But those moments are, are rare. In general, the invitations come in these very gentle ways, whispering in the wind or just small pullings in uh, at tuggings at our heart or invitations that are really easy to miss, especially in the busyness of our day-to-day -day life. So I love, I think, this idea too of connecting those small, that's the ways that we're drawn with this idea of dreams, right? That this entryway it is something that's accessible to all of us. We all have dreams and we all daydream. Uh, yeah, and I think it draws me back to another story example. A Jesuit that I'm really close to, uh, Father Tim Clancy up at Gonzaga, um, he shared with me, uh, so I, I have actively discerned in the past and have, definitely don't have an answer on this uh, in terms of joining the society itself. And one thing he shared with me about his own discernment process when he joined the Jesuits, and he shared with me and, and several other people um, just about discerning life in general, was that allow yourself to dream about your potential options, right? And pay attention to where not just your excitement, but where your, your consolation and desolation lies in the dreams to, you know, to tie in another Ignatian concept, right? Um, more about the find that source of fulfillment and where you feel God present, even if it's not the thing that you think you'll enjoy the most. Um, and I think that the surrender to all aspects of the dream, not just the one that you find the most fulfilling, because what you find the most fulfilling might not be um, where you need to be called to immediately. So if you're daydreaming, um, sometimes it, it's also about willing to be in conversation with with the negative parts that are present too, right? And, and seeing all aspects of that um, instead of just trying to focus on the, the, the happy ending um, in the dream itself. I think that's very true and, and very important to keep in mind as we're trying to sort through these differences, right? Paying attention to things like, where's the energy? Where's the excitement? Where's this sense of being called to something greater? and not getting it locked in or keeping it separate from what might be challenging or what I'm comfortable with. Because we know God's dream for us is greater than we could, any dream that we could, we could have for ourselves. And it's going to involve going beyond what we're comfortable with. It's going to involve going beyond what, what we're used to. Um, but we trust that in that, we know where we're supposed to go because God will, in, will experience this sense of excitement and this sense of energy. So it's not things that we feel like we should do. It's not things that we feel like are following an obligation. Rather, we know where we're being drawn because we feel a pull, that kind of invitation, that pull. We feel energy. We feel excitement. Setting aside, and especially I think this is very important in the beginning stages of discernment, setting aside what we're used to, setting aside what we think is realistic, setting aside what we think uh, we're comfortable with. 
Those things can come back in at later stages of discernment, but in the beginning, we want to really be open. It's the beauty of daydreaming, right? Is we know in a daydream, we can be feel free. We don't, we're not committing to anything. It's just a dream. We're just thinking about something for a while, right? That's the beginning stages of discernment. Let your mind be open. Later, at later steps in the discernment process, you'll come back in with questions of, of okay, how realistic is this or not? But you only do that after you've allowed yourself to fully be living in that dream, living in that excitement. Right, exactly. And I think that's, that's a really good point that you just brought up, is that uh, daydreaming uh, has to become expansive. It, it has to be something that we feel a freedom in, not an obligation to do. And I think that that takes some time for us. Um, and, and this is more of a, a contemporary moment reflection. Um, it's funny saying this as we're all not necessarily super busy right now, um, but life in the 21st century demands us to be in so many places um, that I think we have to cultivate that intentional habit of creating spaces to dream. Um, and, I, and I don't think we always allow ourselves to dream to the level um, that can provide the clarity that uh, comes with that discernment kind of asks for and requires sometimes because we, we just want to dream um, and escape rather than a reflection of the moment we're in. And I think that that's an important caveat um, that we can't be dreaming about something that's non-contextually relevant. Um, we have to kind of challenge ourselves to dream about us and, and put us into the mold. And as, as uncomfortable as that may be, we have to contextualize our dreams and our, our fantasies around ourselves rather than things that maybe don't necessarily apply to our own life and our own contexts in that mm -hmm. as well. Exactly. And I think often that um, I think it needs to be expansive. We need to be really open to the possibilities. And the entry points to that can be in our daily life. So sometimes there can be a feeling, I know, especially let's say a, I experienced this when I was younger and people say, well, dream, what do you want to do? Who do you want to be? Right. And it feels both overwhelming and unrealistic uh, because it's just so open ended. Well, we want it to be expansive, but grounded in our particular experiences of who we are. So what do I mean? I mean, look at your daily life. What do you really enjoy doing? What uh, are you excited about? What gives you energy? Whether that's, a topic that you're teaching about or studying, uh, a type of exercise that you're doing, a type of uh, conversation uh, that you're engaging in. So both it can be the typical activities that we tend to think of. It also can be certain ways of being. For example, one of the things I found very helpful in my own life is when I took uh, the strengths finders test uh, from the Gallup uh, poll people. And it talked about all these different, a long list of different types of strengths. Some of them we might not tend to think of. And I came away from that with a new appreciation for how much I like to think, right? I knew that, sure, I had done a lot of schoolwork. I like, you know, uh, studies and academics were part of the accomplishments that I built my identity around but I never really appreciated how much I just like to think. And then knowing that I looked at my life and I said, yeah, if, if I go through a day or week and I, there's no time for me just to think about things, 
consider new ideas, I'll feel like something's missing, right? Taking that specific type of way of being that gives me energy, I can draw out a model that says, you know, if I'm in a job or I'm in a situation or way of life that allows me no time just to think, I'm probably not going to be as fulfilled as I would be in other kinds of work. Part of that's very much part of the reason why I feel so blessed to be in the work that I'm doing now in an educational institution, which not only allows, but also encourages that kind of thing that I find uh, so helpful, energizing and life-giving. Yeah, no, I, I think that's great. Um, I, I kind of have two things to, to add to that. Uh, the first one is the last part. I am really thankful uh, that we have breaks in the education timeline. Um, cause I flee civilization <laughs> when they, when vacation happens. Um, and you know, I, I have a big part of me that loves to just go be outdoors and engage in kind of a naturalist setting. And I take the lightest amount of gear possible, just enough to stay warm and, and stay, you know, up to my minimum calorie number. And I will crawl up a mountain, kayak across a lake and, and go do all these things that a lot of people would just like, that sounds awful. Um, and it's, it is because I really enjoy nature and the, the presence of that. Um, but doing those kinds of activities allows me the space to dream. And I think that that's something that I, I recognize about myself is uh, sometimes engaging in work, even ministry work, where we're encouraged to have time to reflect on a daily basis doesn't always happen. Um, and I know in people's daily lives, it doesn't always happen either. So for me, it, a big part of my discernment and my dreaming is almost going on dream vacations. Um, and I will, I will crawl up a mountain or I will um, go sit out in the desert sun and, and you know, just walk um, in time and space that uh, no one else is around because it gives me the, the time and space to dream and to feel that sense of freedom uh, with my own self to be free about that. Um, and the second part that comes with this is more of like the interior disposition that, that comes with the creating settings to dream. I, I think the second one is being okay with whatever the outcome is. So you have to have a freedom from outcomes, going back to Ignatius, because um, if he had tried to dream with a certain outcome in mind, he certainly wouldn't have dreamed up becoming a saint. Because um, when you read his autobiography, uh, it's not, that's not where he wanted to go. And he's kind of honest about that. Um, I think it's okay to dream with what you find life with without having a specific outcome in mind and being open to where your own mind and your own heart take you in that, in that process. Cause you might end up with a very different answer than you expected, um, before you, you started down that road in your own, just in your own self, um, in that reflection. Absolutely. I think that's such an important part. Um, we end up at places that we wouldn't expect when we're following kind of the invitation of the spirit. Uh, I'm in a position, a type of job that I had no idea even existed when, when, I, was, when I was young. It's not the type of career path I, I could have set out to uh, pursue. I had no idea it even uh, existed. Um, and at the heart of that ability to listen and not know the outcome is a trust. Is a trust that God is with us. That a trust that if we really listen to the promptings of the Spirit, 
if we really pay attention to where we feel energy, where we feel pulled, um, the desires that we have inside, we will arrive at a place uh, that will be not only sufficient, but one of fulfillment. I'll add there that another way that we can kind of test the spirit is how much does it open us up to other people in the world, right? So when we're dreaming, when we're considering our dreams, when we're considering what gives us life and energy, another piece that's often encouraged that we see in the life of Ignatius that I've experienced in my own life is that some paths lead us to being even more open, being even more generous, both with the people around us and with our wider invitation to be of service uh, to, to society. That's another way to tell, are we on the right path? Is, are we becoming more generous? So in addition to feeling more fulfilled or more energized, we're also feeling more generous and acting in ways that, that flow from that. Yeah, no, I, I think that's so true. Um, you know, I, I think just kind of in terms of my own story, um, there was a, a generosity to do ministry was not something that I had thought about before I started, you know, my career. And I'm, I'm really still at the beginning of, of my own discernment process going down that road. Um, but jumping into full-time ministry with high schoolers was not something that I would have discerned as um, a young person, you know, doing, starting down that journey of vocational discernment. Um, and it was just the, the openness that I felt kind of through spiritual direction um, and the encouragement from people in my own life to be open to that. Um, that that got me to where I am now and, and having conversations like this and, and doing things like that is um, it took me being open and generous to, um, I think, not only help others, but also willing to let others influence me as well. Mm. And so trusting that others had something of value to say rather than just my own interior voice in those dreams and letting that be a part of my, my dreaming process, I think was really, was really important. So I think that generosity you're talking about goes both ways, not just in terms of being open to um, opening myself up to others, but also letting others, um, you know, enter into my own kind of private sanctuary as well and trusting that the, that good can come from that rather than um, people's own gain. No, absolutely. We're going to be moving to uh, kind of wrap up our time together here uh, pretty soon. So I'll, be seeing if you know there's other recommendations or thoughts that you might have uh, that we could leave people with in terms of taking this forward. Um, I'll just add on to what you were saying there, that uh, sense of generosity with others and uh, in listening to what other people might offer to us is such an important thing. And it's a sign, I think, of um, a characteristic that Ignatius was able to uh, embrace that we're, we're called to, which is that sense of true confidence and uh, sense of self involves asking for the help that we need, listening to other voices, right? It's, it's a sign that we, we know enough and we're confident enough about who we are and the path we're pursuing to listen to and grow from uh, the ways that other people might have things to offer to us. 
it's quite striking how Ignatius went from kind of this determined soldier who was completely confident that he was heading in the right direction, even when it was the absolute wrong direction in a battle that he had no chance of winning, to someone who became humbled in the best way, meaning that it was somebody who was able to pursue his dreams, but with the openness to listen and learning from other people, from being willing to go back and learn among the school children Latin at, at, a, at an advanced age, to learn and listen from many people younger than him and people who weren't of his, uh, the social standing that he'd grown up in and all these other circumstances. It made him a truly uh, strong person in a way that was grounded in the strength of, of the spirit. So I think as we look forward, and I'll, I'll see what Christian also has uh, to suggest, but I think just as one daydream, right? Just to open your mind up, allow yourself to be an expansive idea of what can be. Uh, notice what things there are that give you energy and excitement, uh, that really uh, enliven your spirit. Notice if there's ways that you feel that you're being drawn and not, don't block them out at, at all initially. Is it that they might be realistic or they might be beyond your comfort zone? And then as you continue in, notice, are they making you more generous? Are they making you more open to others and more open to listening to what other people might have to say to you? And that are some of the ways, to, this is just all the beginning steps of discernment. We're not covering the whole round, but just the beginning steps and stages of how daydreaming and dreams might, might help you enter into this discernment process. Uh, yeah, those are, that's great. Um, and I think my closing thought for people to take with them, um, I'm going to go back to kind of my personal favorite Jesuit saint, not Ignatius, but Aloysius. Um, Gonzaga, for those who Gon don't know. Gonzaga, right, exactly, my alma mater. Um, I'm going to go back to his story because uh, I think it's relevant in our current moment uh, in so many ways right now. Um, considering he's the patron saint of disease victims and youth. Um, but in his story, um, and, and quick context, 30 seconds of it, he's in a young Italian nobleman uh, in the early uh, 17th century, uh, late 16th century, who is um, trying to figure out what his path is. Does he want to follow his father down the route of being a don? and taking care of the people of his city and, you know, kind of that local population. Does he want to go down that road in terms of the family business of just being in power? Um, or does he sacrifice all that um, and go join the Jesuits? That's, that's what he was discerning. Um, and the dream took him away from being, you know, his father's son and, and fulfilling that. His father was not pleased. Um, in terms of dreaming to go and serve plague victims as a Jesuit novice, which ultimately uh, cost him his life uh, and was the thing that made him a saint. Um, and I think that for me, it, it just shows that dreaming requires a little bit of bravery. And uh, to be brave and to be bold as you go into your dreams and to be open to what that outcome is, because it, it certainly may not be... Um, an ending that you expected, but it might be one that I think a lot of people can benefit from, including yourself. So 
to be brave and to be bold and to, and to be willing to where the spirit leads through that would be my, my final piece of advice. Excellent. No, so true. That energy, and I love just even those words, the energy that moves us out, right? And moves us into the world. And one that invites us uh, not, to, not to live in any kind of fear or um, concern, but rather in one of hope and life and energy and love. Thank you for joining us here for uh, our first of these uh, digital uh, online Ignatian conversations. Um, if you have questions, please reach out to either one of us. The contact information can be easily uh, accessible wherever we will, will share out uh, these, these videos. And um, watch for future conversations. Uh, let us know if there's other topics that you'd like us to explore or, or details to, to go even further with. So thank you all. Thank you, Christian. And looking forward to continuing to daydream and to discern together. Thanks. Absolutely. Thanks, Bob.